Welcome back for the week five square scare and prayer segment to give you a, a refresher. Our square players, some managers have their doubts, but you must start them. Our scare players, consider your options. You might want to bench them. And our prayer players, it's a guy on your bench you should consider starting in a pinch or maybe a flyer that you could pick up off the waiver wire. I'm joined by my colleague, as always, Timmy at Nubs on Twitter, my good friend here. Tim, you ready to get right into it this week? Let's get into it. All right. Um, so my, my square this week is going to be Gabe Davis. I like the matchup a lot. I think that due to the reduction in Steeler uh, pass rush because of the loss of Watt, it really puts different stresses on the defense to shut down number one options or the main options of the uh, opposing team's attack, which I think will open up a lot of opportunities for Gabe Davis, as well as we're not exactly sure the health of the other receivers besides Diggs and Davis yet in this week. So I think that this will open, open up even more of a chance for a larger target share. Something that was interesting when I looked back at what was, Davis was doing the last few weeks, he didn't have that many targets. Um, it went six targets, three receptions, and three targets, one reception last week when he was injured with the ankle. But he was playing a majority of the snaps. <laughs> majority of the snaps, it was 96 and 98%. So he was still out there, but it was more in a decoy fashion, and I think that that's going to change this week. Something else uh, about... Uh, the Steelers is that they're 20th giving up uh, yardage as well as I think there are some concerns with their secondary based on the health and depth of, of the players that they are rolling out there. So I do think it's going to be a plus matchup basically the entire uh, day for him. And it's just going to be, if they can get down the field and score touchdowns. And I think that they can. Yeah, I think that they can. I this game, it's really hard to paint the picture that Pittsburgh is going to even put up mild contest really um you know later i'm going to get into a little more of the specifics of, of why this is just a terrible matchup for pittsburgh but um you know if there's any week where it's going to be one for gabe to kind of turn things around i think this is a really good week for him to do it yeah and i understand that there's they have their new quarterback and i i do know that there was a little bit of a connection with like deontay and pickett in the preseason but that doesn't mean it's going to roll out into a really tough matchup against Buffalo. It's really going to be dependent on how the safeties end up playing in this game. Um, if they're able to nullify anything that Deontay wants to do up the seam, but we'll see. And I, I, I like, a, like I'm more with you. I think that the Steelers are going to struggle on offense. It's probably going to be a very tight um, game plan as well as play calling. So we'll see how that goes with that. Yeah. And, and Gabe was out there running a lot of routes last week. Hopefully he's healthy and everything can click. So, Moving on for this week, my square player is going to be James Conner. Now, this is a player who's been kind of banged up all year. He's played below people's expectations, I believe. And I think there's a lot of managers who maybe have um, alternative options that they'd be considering over James Conner. But before you do that, you know, I'm here to say that I think James Conner is absolutely going to be a top 24 guy this week and that he should be in your lineups. So Arizona, they didn't go three games in a row last year without a non-QB rushing touchdown for the entire season. They currently sit in back-to-back games without an RB score. So just looking at trends, I feel like James Conner is a little bit due. He scored in 10 of their 15 games last year, and he hasn't scored since week one. Um, He's 28th in the league right now in rushing attempts, but he has been banged up. Him getting 15 rushing attempts in week four, I I think that's rather encouraging. But I'm most encouraged because he's still top 12 in running back targets despite being banged up. 
he's been seeing four to five targets per game, which is rather healthy. You know, if he can get over 12 carries and four to five targets, that should give him an RB2 floor for sure. If he does have that touchdown like we think he's due for, he's he has RB1 upside for this week. They play against the Eagles, who are ranked 21st against running backs so far in 2022. So they're not the toughest opponent, uh, and they like to put up points. So it could be a higher scoring game. Um, you know, consensus has James Connors RB25 on the week, and I feel like that's just very low. The volume, as I've said, it, it paints him as an RB2 at minimum for me. Uh, Arizona's been dogs in all five of their games this season, which is which is pretty wild. Um, but with a banged-up wide receiver corpse, I expect Connor to be incorporated despite any kind of game script. Something as well with how they with their, the teams they've been matching up with, some of the game scripts haven't really been at all beneficial towards the running back position for Arizona, even when it comes to goal line looks, because even at close to the end of the game, they don't have the ability to um, run the ball because of the time that they're going to run off the clock. So we're probably going to see a little bit of a different flow that way. And we have seen the Eagles give up rushing touchdowns in the recent weeks. We have. So moving on, we usually do our little accountability segment, but we were uh, undefeated last week. We, we nailed every pick we had. Um, so, but Alvin Kamara was one player that we did take where he, he didn't play in the game in London. I know a couple of people come to the video, like he didn't even play and you, you're correct. I think he would have crushed if he had the opportunity to get in there, but he did it. So for this week, I'm going to throw in, uh, an extra little prayer player. And, um, you know, I'm going to talk about it right now instead of at the end when we do prayers, actually, uh, that player I'm going to start with here is Ramondre Stevenson. Um, you know, he's kind of more in line with Brees Hall we had last week where he's not as much of a flyer as potentially other plays we have. But at the time of recording, um, reminder Stevens is outside the top 24, just barely so. And I think he should, but I think he should be ranked inside the top 18, if not closer to RB1 territory. I know he was drafted as the RB36 and he's currently RB27, but you really should make sure that you're starting reminder Stevens in this week. And I felt I, I needed to include him. Um, Detroit has allowed the second most points for versus running back this season only behind Houston and these two teams aren't marginally the worst either they've allowed teams to run all over them Detroit's allowed over 28 points to the running back every week to their opponents uh, or sorry they, the, the team's allowed over 28 points every single week to their opponents and with New England running a rookie quarterback I expect them to pound on the ground a lot uh, New England seems content splitting drives between Harris and Stevenson and in a game versus Detroit, um, both should be considered as top 24 running back options. I leave Mondre personally over Harris, um, as I think he's the one more likely to finish as an RB1 this week with his receiving work. Ramondre went from a 25% snap share to week one to a 62% snap share both week two and three. Prior to last week, the rush share split between Harris and Ramondre was 55 to 45%. But Ramondre led that team target share. Um, and Stevenson outstep Harris 32 to 26. That's like this last week, despite getting four less rushes. Coming off back to back weeks with double digit carries and five targets, though, things are looking up for Ramondre the rest of the season. I wouldn't be surprised to see him slowly begin to expand that role as well. Uh, it is important to note that Ramondre and Harris have split red zone touches over the last two weeks. But in the first two weeks, Ramondre was uninvolved. So I find that slightly encouraging as well. Detroit's 30, 30th against the rush in terms of yards and dead last in rushing touchdowns. So they definitely allow it. Um, so it should be good for teams that have that in their game plan. I agree. Even if it is a split work opportunity or the opportunity is going to be split. If it is, you do have that receiving with Ramondre and it's just going to come down to touchdowns and they might both get one anyway. 
So they might yeah. both be worth it. They both might. I mean, really, for the rest of the season, if you see Detroit sitting next to one of your running backs for the week, I- I'd be hard-pressed to not find a way to get them into my lineup. And you should go and acquire Ramondre while he still hasn't completely broken out. I agree. And after this week, that might be tough. So moving forward, Tim, we're going to finally get to our scares. We're back in order here. What's your scare for week five? I'm going with Zeke. Now, I know this might be right on the cusp of what we're looking at for top 24, or a little bit a little bit below that. But I really want to reiterate the point that just I don't think he's I don't think he's at all safe or worthwhile starting um, for a pretty good amount of time, especially going up against the Rams, who their defense has performed uh, up to snuff the entire year. They are sixth against uh, rushing yards and then have given up the least amount of rushing touchdowns. And even with uh, the chance that Pollard is out, what we've seen in terms of snapshot the last couple of weeks, it's been at 64% and 67 the week prior to that. And Zeke only averaged 2.33 yards per rush last week with, I don't even remember if he even had a goal line look. So when it comes to just the overall encompassing of this of this game, we're going to be going up against against uh, Aaron Donald and all those other pass rushers who last week they wrecked havoc. And if we want to look at the pr- uh, production last week of Jeff Wilson, he had 74 yards, 32 of those coming out one play. So he averaged uh, 2.33 last week yards per carry, not including that rushing touchdown. So there wasn't really much work on the ground. And if you're going to be relying a lot more on Cooper Rush to get down the field and give you uh, red zone looks or your goal line looks, I'm not really going to be banking on that whatsoever. Yeah, and I, I would note that you know Dallas is five and a half point dogs here. It's it's at SoFi, and um, you know this could be a this could be a get right game for the Rams as well. Um, and if if Pollard Pollard is he's questionable right now with an illness, he missed practice uh, uh, yesterday. Apparently, he isn't feeling too well today as well. By the time of recording, it is Friday. He does have two days to get better. I can't say for sure what that illness is, but if Pollard is out there, he's not a player that's being projected for much. But really, this could be a game script that kind of suits him more as well. I mean, the Rams were even last year were absolutely stout against the run and. Zeke being inefficient with this line, really not producing up to snuff. And again, it's still a backup quarterback. I know Cooper Rush has played okay. Um, he's been serviceable at best, but this could this could be a game that goes against Zeke game script, and he could be wildly inefficient in the touches he does get, even if he does have you know double digit opportunities. Something as well as Cooper Rush has been good against the blitz, but the Rams may not even have to blitz because of how stout they will be or potentially will be against Dallas's offensive line who has performed decently, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be doing it week in and week out. And it's just, I don't want to, I don't want to bank against somebody going up against the Rams line and having success. Yeah. And, and also at the time recording, it's CD lamb, you know, it's been questionable. So if that, if that's a name, that's kind of a last minute out a name that, you know, doesn't play for this week, that could really affect Dallas's offense and not for the better. So to transition here, I'm going to give my scare player of the week. I, I would have to think anyone who kind of looks at the slate, uh, this would be a popular pick. It's it's a really tough week, I think, to point out guys who are, you know, studs and lineups who are going to finish outside the top 24. But for me this week, that's going to be Najee Harris. And to be honest, I have to start calling these segments instead of calling it the scare segment. I'm going to call it the who plays Buffalo segment um, <laughs> because every week it seems like I'm taking a, a players up against Buffalo. But honestly, there's more to be worried about with Najee Harris and just the matchup. 
Um, they likely have a rookie quarterback, as we mentioned earlier in the video. And this is the highest spread of the season so far at 14. Like Buffalo is projected to absolutely stomp on Pittsburgh. You know, Buffalo currently ranks eighth versus fantasy running backs, but this, which is great in itself, but this includes a game against Derrick Henry. And then they also had walk multiple walk and touchdowns for JK Dobbins against the Ravens and Chase Edmonds against Miami. So I guess in this contest, you're just hoping for a lot of dump off passes and hopefully a walk in touchdown for Najee Harris. But that's just not something I really want to bank on. Those are more fluky types of ways to get your points, in my opinion. And with Pittsburgh having the lowest implied team point total on the week at 14 and a half, you better hope that their one to two scores come from number 22. Um, you know, Buffalo is also their their third versus the tight end, second versus the wide receiver, number one versus the quarterback. This entire defense is just an absolute nightmare. Um, you know, an absolute nightmare for opposing players. Um, you know, you, you wanted to hop in and say something here, Tim? Yeah, I just they haven't proven that they're even interested in in uh, keeping Najee involved in the passing game an entire game this season. Yeah. They haven't proven that. And I think that's going to be necessary for him to get his points as well for, for them to probably stay in this game. So mm -hmm. I, I love this, um, this pick because I just, I don't see the path in which is necessary for Najee to score enough points. And Matt Canada is pretty much trash at his job. We're just waiting for him to get moved on. So they might have some, some form of offense that will complement what Pickett does well and what not, what Najee does well and what the receivers are able to do for Pickett. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to say we'll have to see moving forward how Najee plays alongside Pickett. Um, but you know, to finish top twenty-four, you really do need to have closer to probably like 11, 12 points. And I, I think it's a really tough outlook to see Najee even getting to double digits. Um, you know, beyond the matchup and a rookie quarterback as well, Najee has somehow been even less efficient in twenty twenty-two than in twenty twenty-one. He's dropped from three point nine yards per carry to three point five. But more importantly, as you said, with him in the passing game, he's he went from seeing five and a half targets per game last year to two point seven five targets per game thus far. That's a greater than fifty percent decrease. So with Najee yeah. being a consensus RB two on the week, uh, I I just disagree with that. I think I think it's very like he finds his way outside the top twenty four. I'd rather play the aforementioned James Conner, Ramondre Stevenson, but other names I'd throw out there as well as Devin Singletary, Josh Jacobs, AJ Dillon, Brees Hall, even Jeff Wilson that you mentioned. I think you guys get the point. I, there, there's a lot of other options I'd consider playing over him if you have, you know, two other names where you can afford it, and if you can't you better hope for some dump off passes or a touchdown. Yeah. I just, it blows me away. Sorry. I just, I want to repeat yeah. it one more time. It blows me away that, that you're, you can be losing by more than more than one score, 10 points or whatever. And you can't seem to include one of your best offensive weapons in the game plan because receptions can either be because you're a part of the reads or because you're the last read or the dump off. And they're not even getting through progressions to even give him the dump offs. Like this is scary. Yeah, we'll see if that was just a, a you know a product of Trubisky not getting through reads, but it doesn't usually get better with a rookie quarterback. So Tim, give us a prayer play or slide in lineups this week. Let's get let's get moving. I'm going with Juju this week because he has had good a good number of targets the last few weeks. He's been sitting around eight. The one thing that does concern me about this though is I think for him to reach the levels on which I would want him to as a prayer is I need him to score a touchdown because the yardage just hasn't, hasn't been crazy. 
two weeks ago, he had uh, eight targets, five receptions, 89 yards. And last week he had eight targets, five receptions, 46 yards, 70% uh, play share and then, or snap share and then 63% snap share last week. So he is getting a lot of um, playing time. He's just not at like the top, top that we would see other like really great wide receivers get, but he is second on the team in receptions and yards, but we do probably need a touchdown this week. So that's why he's in the per section. Um, you could look on the other side of the ball uh, at someone coming back from injury, but I'm not really interested in using him this week. But just a little hint in case that's something you're interested in looking at. And you're looking at you alluding to Hunter Renfro there. Yeah, just in case in case you have both and you're trying to decide. But I'm going to lean Juju just because of what I'm seeing as his support inside of the offense. But you're probably needing to bank on a touchdown this week. Yeah, um, you know Kansas City. It's going to be an interesting matchup this week with Kansas City. And, yeah, I, get, I mean, his usage hasn't been terrible. I agree that for him to finish inside the top 36, he probably likely has to come down with a touchdown. Um, you know, but his his target share in general hasn't been horrific. It's not like he's been completely uninvolved. It just hasn't been probably to the tune that we were expecting coming into the year. And we have seen some opportunities for shootouts with Las Vegas, which gives us a little bit more confidence in playing this, uh, this kind of plan this way with the with the prayer segment so i'm i'm interested in it and i understand that um the raiders are just below average when it comes to allowing passing touchdowns and passing yards so they're not at the bottom of the barrel but with this having shootout potential i'm going to take the risk yeah I'm, I'm having players in this game is is probably a good thing um now primetime games have tended this season to hit with the over but this is a game where we're anticipating the, the lines of 51 and a half points which is a really high line so even if it does go under you could be talking high 40s and that's better that's you're going to get more scoring chances in a game like this than in most other games uh it's important to note here too that kansas city is seven and a half point favorites um i'm a big favor I'm a big fan of getting pass catchers on the favorite team in my lineups, uh, especially guys who are used in the short yardage game, which is tends to be game script proof, right? The scores might come in a more shootout type game, but those safety net kind of targets do come in those games where maybe you are protecting a lead. And one other observation this week, I feel like a lot of what we're seeing for uh, kind of lineup sit starts it seems to be pretty self-policing this week when it comes to matchups as well as probably players you have available to play where you're not really having to reach out too much. But once again, if you're looking for something that might score you a little bit more points on the, the high-end upside, Juju's one I'm definitely leaning towards. Yeah. So with my official prayer here uh, next to the bonus one we gave you with Ramondre, I'm going to go with one that's a little more of an outside shout. And I'm going to start with saying it's Isaiah McKenzie, but everything I'm about to say for Isaiah McKenzie is also going to apply if he is out because he's yet to be cleared from concussion protocol. And that's with Khalil Shakir, who is much less of, of a name that people have probably heard of even more so than Isaiah McKenzie. He's probably out there in every single one of your waiver wires. Um, but let me paint the picture first. So Josh Allen has the highest target percentage of the slot wide receiver since joining the league. And he gets an opponent this week that has allowed double digit points to a player playing exclusively, or, you know, points exclusively out of the slot in every matchup this season. That was 17.3 points out the slot to Amari. 
12.5 to Corey Davis, 11.7 to Tyler Boyd, and 11.4 to Jacoby Myers. You know, we mentioned Pitt's inability to address the slot where they were ahead of week four, and we're going to go back to the well. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, Buffalo is one of the best teams in the NFL at moving the chains, and if they're and if they're going to do so as predicted versus Pittsburgh, they're likely going to utilize their slot in the short game, especially if they jump out to a lead, similar to what we were saying with Juju. Um, and if they have a lead, again, we know, we mentioned earlier in the Gabe Davis game where they have a 14-point spread they're expected to absolutely dominate this game you know with Jamison Crowder going down last week to the IR with a broken ankle and McKenzie's outlook the rest of the season just got really really enticing like he's a player even if he does miss this week I'd be going to try to acquire on the cheap if you have a player that's been disappointing on your bench maybe like that Hunter Renfro and you want a little more of an upside tight play guy you could sneak in on these these enticing matchups like one against picks this week uh Isaiah McKenzie is a player I'm going out and acquiring. Um, you know, additionally, if we're just talking this week, we did mention Gabe Davis. We're hoping he's back at fixing 100%. But, you know, that's not a guarantee. We don't know if he's still banged up a little bit. And as well as his him, his replacement, you know, Jake Kumaro is out for the game. Um, so I'd expect both McKenzie and Singletary to get worked into this game. Uh, perhaps we even get a James Cook sighting. But as I said, if... Isaiah McKenzie is a no-go, and you're bold enough to flex Khalil Shakir on your league mates, go check the wire for uh, Josh Reynolds. That's It's it's a guy who's going to see another week without Amarizzi Brown, DJ Chark, DeAndre Swift, and it's versus a softer secondary this far in New England. They really haven't performed like they have in the past, at least in that department. So if you're not bold enough for Shakir, McKenzie is out. I'll put that little caveat in there that Josh Reynolds is a guy who might still be hanging out around half your waiver wires. You should all all definitely be going out and trying to acquire McKenzie because that slot receiver, what was it, four years in a row now where there were over 100 targets? So the, the opportunity is there, and you're getting it from one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So the opportunity will be good. It won't just be something that's volume-based. It will actually be touchdowns uh, mixed in for sure. Yeah, and they've already showed that McKenzie is part of the red zone plan. He scored twice, and those were games where he his snaps were down. He, you know, he got hurt, banged up in both those. So if he's out there, he's absolutely in my lineup. And those touchdowns, he was open. So okay. he's creating opportunities and very large lanes for Josh Allen to throw into and be successful with. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, anyone who stuck with us, thank you so much for coming and listening. If you can like and subscribe while you are here. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. This is this is one of the most fun segments we do every single week, and I appreciate you guys keep coming back, and your feedback's been exceptional. Um, you know, just to know, I forgot to mention, we are we are still hitting on our picks over 70%. Um, I'm 82% of the season. Tim's up to 63% on the season. It's, it's, it's a really good time, and I enjoy getting through this. This is a good mental exercise. Honestly, I encourage any of you guys at home to come through and drop, drop in the comments or tell us kind of your prayer players or who you're sliding in the end of your lineups and who you're excited to see play this week and moving forward. So you can find all our socials at JWB underscore FF on Twitter. I'm the FF Buffalo. That is nubs over there. Uh, join our discord. You can drop any last minute start sit, you know, conversations are going there all the time. So with that being said, we will catch you guys next week.